1 Thessalonians chapter 2, thinking about a way to, uh, to make this brief this morning, but also to still give God's Word the reverence that it's due. I was looking at some statistics recently about what is a, a, a mom worth, and this is from 2016. If you take all the tasks that a mother does and apply them to the jobs that they represent, what would the total salary of a mom be today? Moms are housekeepers, cooks, daycare center teachers. They are um, they're CEOs, they're psychologists, they're janitors, van drivers, laundry machine operators. They are bookkeepers, event planners, general maintenance workers, groundskeepers, interior designers, logistic analysis. Um, they are plumbers, and they are registered nurses in most homes. If you add all these things together, the total salary of a mother in 2016 would be $143,102. That would be the total salary that a mom would be due. So moms, give yourself a raise today. And many of you grandparents, many of you grandmothers are thinking, what about us? We're doing some of those things too. Let's read uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 9. Um, and we look this morning at leadership principles from the heart of a mother. The Apostle Paul is writing here to the church at uh, Thessalonica. And he says these words, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we work night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Now, this being Mother's Day, and Paul writing here, he's using the mother as a model, and he's, he's raising the expectations of a spiritual leader. And as we look at these verses, I can say uh, for sure, 100%, that I'm a bona fide, solid gold mama's boy. I grew up in an era where um, mothers generally stayed at home with their children until their children were of school age. So I spent most of my time, my, most of my waking hours with, with mother. And so these verses, as I look at them and read them, um, I'm reminded of how blessed I am to, to come from a home with a mom who was able to stay there and, and be there with me. So Mother's Day is very special to me. And the scriptures here speak as Paul is portraying leadership and being a spiritual leader. He uses the mother as his example. Now, Scripture offers a lot of leadership by example and a lot of direct instruction on the subject of spiritual leadership. Effective spiritual leadership is this. It's a combination of character and activity. It's who you are coupled with what you do. Now, in verses 1 through 6, Paul has expressed his leadership virtues that are inside of himself. He talks about his inner life. He talks about how he's tenacious, 
but yet with that tenacity comes integrity. He talks about how as an apostle, he has spiritual authority, but also that he is accountable to God for the church. And all of this produces in him a sense of humility because of what God has put inside of him. Now in verses 7 through 9, he looks at the outward function of what's happening because of what God has done inside of him. In order to display these functions, he first uses a metaphor and in explaining what God is doing in his life. Now metaphors are things where we take a, a statement and it really means something else um, or it describes uh, a situation. An example, we say it's raining cats and dogs. It means it's a heavy rain, but we use the phrase it's raining cats and dogs. Now Paul chose to use a metaphor here that was the most intimate, compelling metaphor of a mother to illustrate how primary the spiritual care a leader must provide for his people. Now, this passage uses a mother's love and care to speak of spiritual leaders. Paul is a pastor. Paul is an apostle. But this morning, he could be talking to you if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a deacon, if you're a greeter, if you're an usher, if you're a mom or a dad or a grandparent, you're a leader to someone. So these verses apply to all of us who are here. We see this again. Paul uses this same type of metaphor in Galatians chapter 4 when he says, My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Now any mother who is here can tell you that labor doesn't end there with childbirth. Labor is a continuous process of raising a child. You're laboring to bring that child up, especially if you are a Christian mom or grandmother, you're raising that child and you're laboring to teach that child the principles of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember the first labor experience that we had and I remember being there in the, um, in the room waiting uh, on everything to happen and it was, it was getting close and it was almost breakfast time and Somebody in the room said, We're, uh, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat breakfast. Well, my mind is so focused on being hungry, I forget all about Bree is about to give, a, give birth, and I go eat breakfast. 20-something, well, 19 years later, I'm still trying to live down that moment uh, during labor. So, but we labor, labor doesn't end there at childbirth. Labor for us as leaders in the church doesn't end when someone comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just the beginning for us. As spiritual leaders, it's just the beginning of us beginning to nurture that person and mature that person and grow that person and making sure that they have what they need to continue to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul also in 1 Corinthians 4.15 pictures himself as a spiritual father. He says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. So in verse number 7, we see Paul use this uh, metaphor, this powerful metaphor of a mother. Now, we know that mothers, mothers are absolutely essential to the well-being of children. 
So spiritual leaders who minister with a mother's gentleness, uh, intimate affection, sacrificial love, and unselfish labor are essential for the health of a church. He uses the word gentle here. It means to be kind to someone, and it carries with it a host of other virtues. Think about these words that all apply to us being gentle as a mother. Acceptance, respect, compassion, tolerance of imperfections, patience, tenderheartedness, and loyalty. Those words there probably remind you of a mother or a grandmother or an aunt who may have had influence in your life. These are virtues that we expect from a mother, but Paul said they apply to spiritual leaders just as well. That we should be accepting, respectful, show compassion, be tolerance of imperfection, have patience with one another, have tenderheartedness and loyalty. Now, can we explain Paul's degree of gentleness? Yes, he explains it for us in the scriptures. He says, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own child. Paul is saying here that what I'm attempting to do, I'm attempting to exhibit the same feelings as a nursing mother when I care for the church's spiritual needs. And we know that as that mother is nursing that infant, what is the beginning steps of that child growing to independence and maturity and being able to stand on their own two feet. So as spiritual leaders, we do the same when we take a new believer and we give them what they need spiritually to mature. Now, to a lot of people, this seems weak. To a lot of people, this would seem unproductive. We look at the model of the world in leadership. And the model of the world in leadership, probably some of you work in these environments where as, as, as you work, there may be a leader and they, they lead by allowing you to, uh, by using you and your work to grow themselves and mature themselves and to bring them their own selves up in the world. Now, that's a self-centered standard that the world may use to accomplish the leader's desires through people. Now, but in the church, Leaders have the privilege of seeing things God desires done in people, and that change that changes the dynamics. Now, I've talked to pastors before. I can remember talking to a particular pastor who's in his early 30s, and he, he said to me these words as a leader. He said something similar to the effect of, when I get this in place, and when I get this in place, and when I get this in place, the big churches will start calling me then. He was using the church he was in to build his own resume to move on to something else. God says that we are to take and invest our lives into others as spiritual leaders and to tenderly care for. Paul uses the word here, taking care, other versions of the Bible use the, the, the phrase here, tenderly care. It literally means that we warm with body heat. It, it's the opposite of harsh or indifferent, but tenderly nurturing. 
Paul says, everything that I do that I have done here in this church in Thessalonica was to mature it, to help it to grow, and to help it to become what it needed to be spiritually so that they could reach where they were with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we see in, in verse number 8, we see the motive of Paul, and the motive is deep love. He's, his care is motivated by his love. Jesus has done a great work in Paul. He has completely changed his life. He has filled his life with a love that is spilling out for other people. And Paul says, as a result here, I have such a deep love that, and, and I'm motivated completely by that love because of the work that Jesus has done inside of me. Last night, I, I, I broke it to Bree that um, there was one of my former students who is getting married. And I said, to, I was, we were talking to some friends at, at a wedding reception last night, and we were talking about the upcoming wedding, and I let her know there, I've been waiting on the right moment to tell her. And so I, I waited till we were with a group of people so that she couldn't react the way that I knew that she wanted to react. So I said, I'm doing a wedding on the day of the Alabama-Tennessee game. And Bree's, Bree's jaw dropped. And she looked at me and she said, That's the, she said, what? I said, well, I'm doing a wedding on the day of the Alabama-Tennessee game. I said, one of, my, one of my kids is getting married on that day and they've asked me to do it. And she said, Jesus has done an incredible work in your life. <laughs> She said, I know that there's no other way that you would do that unless the Lord had done an incredible work in your life. Um, she did inform me that she wouldn't be there. But Paul said, I love this church so deeply. I love this church so affectionately that I'm willing to give my whole life. I'm willing to give every single thing, every fiber of my being to see this church grow and to see this church come to where it needs to be spiritually. And when I think about that, I think about a group of people in this sanctuary who are doing things differently than they've ever done before to reach a community for the Lord Jesus Christ. A church that is what most we consider to be an established, traditional, downtown First Baptist church that is willing to say, we'll leave the four walls of this church on a Sunday morning and we'll go to the park and we will physically labor and we will physically work. I think Micah got there at 6 that morning setting up a stage. And then as the day began to move, people began to pour in and begin to to fix hot dogs and begin to and begin to um, chop onions and begin to do uh, set up tables and set up everything that had to go on, and it took a hundred or more volunteers to move everything here to the park, and then to move things back here and not to get finished until about three, maybe four that afternoon, and to go home exhausted and sunburned and tired and weary 
but to wake up Monday morning knowing that we had 58 people that we needed to see this past week who gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ last Sunday. Nine hundred and twenty-one people came to a church that wasn't inside four walls, but to a church that wants to be the church to this community individually, no matter where we are. And this past week, our deacons took some of those names, and our deacons will go into those homes, and our deacons will minister to those people. And our deacons will tell those people about our church. And our deacons will go and they will tell those people, if you want to come to a church where children are ministered to and where families are are brought together and where we accept you no matter what walk of life you come from, then here's a church for you. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Paul is saying, I gave up my life for you, Thessalonica. I gave up my life for you, Colossae. I gave up my life for you in Galatia. Everything I did was for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I gave my life away as a result. And I see a church filled with people who are willing to give their life away for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's thrilling to be a part of it. And it's wonderful to to see new faces continuously come in here and to say, I want to be a partner with this church because of what I see you doing in this community in Piedmont. We live in a community that has to hear the gospel. God didn't call me to pull up a stool and have a conversation with you on Sundays. He called me to preach the gospel. And I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to pre- the, the greatest compliment I get is when I stand at that door on Sunday, after, Sunday evenings after church and people shake my hand and say, I'm glad you preached the gospel. Because the gospel changes life. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what changes a life. Giving somebody a hot dog at the park is not going to change their life. It's It's going to give them a meal for that moment. But the man who stood there last week and said we were not called with a spirit of fear, but of sound love and who gave the gospel in such a unique way as to reach so many people, the gospel changes life. And I got a free hot dog out of it. But my life was changed. That's what, and let's continue doing it. Let's continue doing these things. Paul said, I am affectionately desirous for you. It's the only place in the New Testament where this phrase is used. And he says, he he says, I long for you passionately and earnestly. The same way that a mother would long for their child if they were separated. It's intended to express an an affection that is so deep and and compelling that it's unsurpassed by anything. And Paul said, that's the love I have for you. He says, I have a deep longing. This text draws out three things here in the last part of verse number 8. He says that we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. This text draws out three things that we could apply to a mother here this morning. It's who mothers are. Mothers are ready to share their lives. 
they're ready to share everything that they have with their children. It's what mothers do. He says, we gave our own selves. I have no doubt that when I was a child, my mother would have given her life for me. I have no doubt this morning that my wife would give her life for her children. It's what mothers do. And here's why mothers do it is because they are very dear to us. Paul said, you are so dear to us that we gladly shared our lives, that we gave ourselves to you. Their calling was the highest joy of their heart to love this way. They, they defined this desire as an eagerness and a zealousness that came from love-filled hearts. Paul would go on to say this in 1 Thessalonians 3.12, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Paul said that we gave ourselves away to you. It means that we shared or we, we give something of which one returns a part. Um, to give someone else the good news of salvation, yet without losing possession of it themselves. Now, I can't give you my possessions without losing them. If I give you what little bit of money I have in my wallet, it's gone. I can't give it to you without losing it. But I can stand here and give you the gospel of Jesus Christ and know that it's going to be multiplied through God's um, Holy Spirit. They took the gospel of God. They, they knew that the gospel of God was a truth that would transform a life. That it was, when Paul was talking about the gospel here, he's talking about salvation, sanctification, and glorification. He's talking about the complete, total picture here. He says, we want to lead you to salvation. We want to see you grow in the Lord through sanctification. And when you pass from this life, we want to know that you will understand that you're going to be glorified in the presence of the Lord. Paul's whole life was about making disciples through giving them the gospel of God. It was a call for people to repent and embrace the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. He said, if I preach anything other than this, or if an angel were to preach anything other than this, it's wrong. I simply preach Jesus and him crucified. And he said, not only this, did we give you the gospel of God, but we also gave you our own lives. He said, when we came there, we worked among you. They gave up their, their own lives, their real inner beings, for the sake of others. It was sacrificial service that they give. Paul ministered to his people the same way that a mother would give herself sacrificially and generously to her children. Paul said that they had become dear to, to he and the others who came there and established the church in Thessalonica. This is the heart of a godly mother. When that mother sees that child for the very first time, there is something that happens in that heart that changes everything. When, when they handed me a baby for the first time, I had no idea what to do. 
I was as lost as I could be. I actually looked at Grayson and thought, man, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> I don't have a clue. But I remember moments before that when they showed Grayson right, right as soon as he was born, before the cord was even cut, when they picked him up and showed him to Bree, I could see a look on her face, and I knew that it came from her heart. I knew, and I knew that she'd never be the same again. It was something that changed inside that changed everything in her life. That's the heart of a godly mother. That's the heart of a godly pastor or a godly spiritual leader. When we look here in this altar this morning and we see 12 young souls, that we are now as a congregation, not only is that household responsible for those children, but we here in this church are responsible for those children. We're responsible to teach those children. We're responsible to lead those children. Some of you are sitting here right now on the verge. You know that God has called you to be a Sunday school teacher or an Awana worker or a nursery care person. And now seeing these children here this morning would be the perfect time for you to say, today's the day I'm going to give myself over to what God's calling me to do. And to begin to invest in the lives of these children to see them grow up and be discipled the way that they should. Quickly in, in closing, we see Paul's manifestation and mission. In the first part of verse number 9, he says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. He says, Remember. Remember. The, the affection that we have, the character of our ministry. Some of you who are sitting here this morning, maybe you have been in this church your complete whole life, and you can sit here right now and you can remember Sunday school teachers and nursery workers who invested in your life, maybe here in this old wing or maybe even before this old wing was built. You can remember those people. I see smiles on some of your faces right now as you're remembering some of those people. The Margaret Turners and, and, and those, those people. Some of you, that's who you had on your mind. And you're thinking about the godly investment that they made in you being who you are here today. I think about as a child, my dad was my, the first Sunday school teacher that I can remember. And the thing that I, I don't remember the lessons that he taught. I was young and I don't remember the lessons that he taught. But I remember that he was the, had the same character and integrity at home and in, in business and in everything that he did as he did sitting there as my Sunday school teacher. Most of the youth who came through, uh, it was wonderful to sit here this morning and see how many of these uh, were in our youth group when, when I was here as, as student pastor. Most every one of them. But I remember those youth when you would talk to them about growing up here and they would talk about how um, being in Randy and Sissy Harper's Sunday school class and if you knew your memory verse, Mr. Randy would do upside down push-ups for you. Investing, going the extra mile, doing what we have to do to labor and toil. It gets 
it, it gets weary. So it gets it gets uh, working. The church sometimes can be weary and lonely and hard. But we continue to do it because we look at Paul's example here, and he says, "You remember." You remember those who invested in you. You remember those people. And you know that you have an opportunity now to be one of those people that someday people, when they're adults, they'll look back and say, these people picked me up on a van on Sunday morning and made sure I got to church. And when I got there, these people greeted me at a door and showed me where to go. And, and, and there was somebody at the door waiting on me. My Sunday school teacher was there waiting on me. And they told me about Jesus. And because they told me about Jesus, my life was changed. I think about the, the, the Sunday school teachers here who had an influence on my children when they were young. I think about those, those people. And, and it was during that time when they were in those Sunday school classes that they began to ask questions. And they began to, to, to seek answers to spiritual questions. Because of those adults who invested in them. Paul was one of those people who established the church at Thessalonica. You are a person sitting here this morning who has an opportunity to invest in the lives of the children that you saw here this morning. You're never too young and you're never too old. As we saw just a, 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 about a month ago here in, in the back parking lot as hundreds of people filed through our back parking lot for a free yard sale that some senior adult ladies put together. You're never too old. You're never, never. This morning, Paul has given us this example from the overflowing love in his heart. And as he uses this metaphor of a mother, he says every mother knows that there's a price to pay so that her children can be who that they, she wants them to grow up to be. She doesn't expect them to compensate for her nursing or displaying a deep affection for them or for embracing their every need sacrificially. What if our mothers build us? What if when you, move, when you, when you had your bags packed and you were ready to move, your mother handed you a bill for everything she had done for you? Well, it would, it would easily trump uh, college debt. Laboring night and day, he said that we might not be a burden to any of you, but we preach to you the gospel of God. This morning, in closing, we see the wonderful hand of God on this church through blessing us with these children that we saw here this morning. We see the blessing of all these young families. And now it is our opportunity to say we'll step up and we'll lead this next generation. We will lead them to be godly young men and women. And we will lead them to grow up to be Sunday school teachers or deacons or pastors or missionaries. And we will someday, they'll come back here as... John Gunner does on occasion, or Jess Jennings, or someone else will come back on occasion and tell about where they've been and what they've done through the power of the Holy Spirit 
and what they've seen happen and talk about the influence that our church had on them for the rest of their lives. I'm excited about this, about these children, about these families. And I pray this morning that you'll make a commitment with me to serve and to, and to lead these children to grow up to be what God has intended for them. And that we'll be able to give them every resource and opportunity here from this church. Maybe you're here this morning and you've listened and you've heard and you've seen the, the blessings of these families. You've, you've listened to the words. And you know that Jesus Christ is responsible for everything that you've seen here. But you know that maybe you don't know him or you know for certain you don't know him in a relationship. Today would be a wonderful day for you to begin that. And to know a love that's even greater than a mother's love. The love of Jesus Christ. The sacrificial love that will last throughout eternity. While we, Micah is coming this morning to lead us in a time of invitation. Maybe that's the decision you need to make. Maybe you know that you have, um, maybe last week at Park Fest, you made a decision for Christ and you need to follow in baptism or you've seen the work and the ministry of our church and you want to partner with us through membership. Whatever it is you need to do this morning would be a wonderful time for you to share that with this congregation. Maybe you just want to come and pray for these families or pray for how you can partner with our church through Sunday school or Awanas or one of the other ministries here in helping these children grow and mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to share the gospel. Thank you for the life in this church. And I pray to God that during this, these moments, we would give your Holy Spirit every opportunity.